0: Welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge.
1: Well, this is The Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown, and uh, thank you so much for joining me today. It's uh, been uh, another amazing, amazing day here in Cape Town, and I've got a brilliant guest lined up for you on today's podcast. We'll get to that in just a moment, but don't forget, we've got some cool stuff coming up uh, and happening in our Kona Edge Facebook group. If you haven't checked it out and joined it yet, do so, because uh, there's some exciting developments in there. It's uh, face not Facebook.com. Just go to thekonaedge.com forward slash Facebook. That's the easiest way to get there. Otherwise, I've got to give you this really long url so uh com forward slash facebook it's the easiest way to find it And uh, make sure you just go and join that group and come and hang out with some of the coolest triathletes on the planet. Uh, And you're one of them, so uh, definitely come. I need to ask you another favor as well. Uh, Our numbers of this podcast have been growing steadily, and I want to try a little bit of an experiment. Uh, I want you to find, uh, and and I'm sure you've listened to a few of these podcasts. If you haven't, uh, I hope you do, but uh, I'm sure you'll find one or two that have really resonated with you or, or made you think of someone. I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing it with uh, someone in your triathlon club or training partner. Uh, I really want to see if we can move the dial on this uh, podcast in 2017 to try and get those numbers up. We've been growing, as I said, uh, unbelievably well, but I really want to kick on to the next level with the Kona Edge. And uh, I need your help. I I can't do it alone. And uh, it's something I love doing, and and hopefully you love listening to. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, just uh, sharing it with someone you know. Uh, I would appreciate that massively. But uh, let's get into today's episode. I love sharing these stories with you, and I get to share another pretty cool one today. He hasn't been around the sport for that long, but he's uh, made some pretty big strides over the few years he's been uh, taking part in triathlon. And it's a great pleasure to welcome uh, onto the podcast today, all the way from Canada, Benjamin Rudson. (laughs) Benjamin Rudson. listening to the Kona Edge, uh, it's great to have you with us, thanks for joining me today and we head uh, to Canada now to catch up with Ben Rutzen, who's uh, about to hop on a plane as we record this, uh, to Florida for a training camp. Ben, welcome on to the Kona Edge, thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Ben, it's good, it's good to have you on, uh, we were just chatting before we started recording, minus, minus 10 in, in, in Canada where you woke up this morning, no wonder you're going to Florida, it's not great for training at minus 10, is it?
0: No, it's... Uh... It's definitely a bit of a different experience. Uh, I think there is value in training in cold weather, but definitely looking forward to catching some sun down in Florida.
1: Let's let's take a step back and, and talk a little bit about how you got into the sport. Where did, where did your triathlon journey journey start?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, my journey in triathlon has been actually a pretty interesting story. So uh, back when I was growing up back in uh, Nanaimo, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island here in Canada, uh, my dad used to do triathlon and some marathoning. So growing up, I was really exposed to sport at a young age, kind of in its, uh, when triathlon was kind of just getting its ground roots in the, in the, uh, scene. So my dad used to do it. And, uh, so, you know, growing up, you know, watching the Kona coverage on TV was an annual occurrence in our house. You know, my dad and I would be watching, you know, I knew all the pro triathletes at the time, even got to meet Peter Reed and Laurie Bowden. Uh, of course, you know, talking to any Canadian triathlete, they'll probably talk about Simon Whitfield winning gold medal in uh, Sydney in 2000. And obviously that was an iconic moment. and really kind of gets every Canadian thinking about triathlon and thinking about their future. Um, but <clears throat> so growing up, my dad raised in triathlons, but eventually kind of moved on from the sport. So it was kind of this middle period where I was, you know, growing up and my dad had no involvement in the sport. I was kind of playing, you know, volleyball and hockey growing up, and eventually decided to go off to university out at Queen's University, which is actually on the other side of the country here in Canada, out in Ontario. Uh, So I entered Queen's, and, you know, I think as any university student in a first year away from home and everything, you know, your uh, habits become a little unhealthy, you know, kind of started getting into uh, a lot of partying and unhealthy food and not a whole lot of exercise, as I'm sure many listeners can relate. Um, And I was actually fortunate enough to land a research job at the school for the summer. So I further got to extend this uh, fun period of my life. But you know, it was in that summer where, you know, I'd go to work during the day and then come home at night and didn't really have a lot going on. And, you know, drink a bit and, you know, hang out at the beach. And that's all fun and dandy. But I remember, you know, end of May looking back and being like, you know, all right, like this has been fun, but I need to do something here. I have a lot of time. I can do something really cool this summer and not just, you know, blow it all away sitting at the beach and drinking beer. So, I knew I wanted to do something, and, you know, having grown up with triathlon being a big part of our household and watching all those iconic events, it had always been in the back of my mind that I wanted to get into the sport, and, you know, what a great opportunity living out in Kingston, Ontario, for this have the whole summer at my disposal, and uh, started to get into it. <clears throat> so, you know, at first I started running, and, you know, I wasn't very good. I hated running growing up. I was not a fan of it. Uh, still wasn't much of a fan of it when I first started uh getting into the sport and you know I think I would go run five kilometers in 30 minutes or 35 minutes and just be gassed after you know I'm sure many people new to running can relate to that but you know slowly and steady it got started to get better and you know the idea of doing triathlon popped into my brain so started going to the uh, spin bike at the gym and just plugging away there after work and swimming every morning I think that's when I started swimming like I'd swim one length and be out of breath and could barely do it. And, you know, slowly but surely, I'd go home watching YouTube videos on how to swim properly, go back to the pool the next morning, try and imitate it. So, you know, slowly progress is being made. And, you know, of course, like anyone new to this sport, you want to start racing. So, I'm well, fortunate enough in Kingston, I have one of the oldest triathlons in Canada, actually, the K-Town Triathlon. So I had the idea to sign up for the K-Town Long Course Triathlon. it's a bit of a unique distance. It's two kilometer swim. 56 kilometer bike and a 15 kilometer run. So, kind of nestled in between an Olympic and a uh, half Ironman. Now, you know, I began this whole pursuit in yeah. early June of 2014. And this race was early August 2014. So, about two months removed from, you know, trying not to drown in the pool <laughs> to swimming 2,000 meters open water in Lake Ontario was a bit of an adjustment. So, I knew if I wanted to do this race, I would need my dad's kind of bit of approval, and more importantly, his equipment. You know, he had a lot of equipment left over from his triathlon days, and I knew I needed access to it in order to do this race. So I actually went home, back to Vancouver Island, about three weeks out from the race, and, you know, I kept him up to date what I was doing in the summer, and he knew a little bit about me going to the gym and starting to get into running and all that, but I'm not sure he understood the depth of it. And when I told him I wanted to do this race, uh, three weeks later, back in Kingston, that involved. 2k swim, 56k bike, 15k run, you know, unsurprisingly, he was not a huge fan of that idea. Uh, He had some choice words for me and uh, (laughs) really tried to discourage me from pursuing that and rightly so. It's uh, a bit of a big attempt to make at your first one, you know, a lot of better opportunities to maybe get into the sport. But you know, me being stubborn, perhaps, uh, I really wanted to do it and said, all right, let me prove it to you. So we kind of went out to the lake and he hopped in a kayak and I started swimming and sure wasn't pretty, but, you know, I got through a bit of a lake swim and he showed me some stuff on the bike and, you know, perhaps hesitantly gave me a bit of approval in his gear to take back to uh, Kingston. And sure enough, I completed the race, uh, probably still one of the toughest races to date mentally. You know, there's nothing like that first one, and especially starting in a long course race, being so inexperienced, uh, you know, really beats the crap out of you. But I got through it and, you know, I really got hooked there. You know it's such a cool sport in that you get to put so much time and effort into something every day and you get to see your results you know show themselves on race day and it's really addicting and it definitely caught the triathlon bug
1: what what sort of distance uh racing did your
0: dad do so my dad he mostly did uh half ironmans uh in and around vancouver island he always had a dream of doing ironman um in fact when i was little we went out and watched uh, Ironman Canada. This would have been probably early 2000s. Uh, back at that time, in order to sign up for Ironman Canada, you kind of had to camp out the night before to register. So part of racing Ironman Canada was going out the year before and spectating so you could line up to register. So he went out with that and our family, brought our whole family with us with full intent of watching it, then registering for the race and kind of got a bit cold feet at the end and decided not to do it. So he kind of tapped out at the half Ironman distance.
1: It's interesting you say that because – Last week here on the Cone Edge, I was telling to Elizabeth Kenyon, and uh, she's raced multiple Cones, nine nine in total, and she's got three kids. Uh, the the eldest is, is a freshman in college, and, and I said to her, have, have they shown any any sort of interest in, uh, in doing an Ironman? And she said, not yet. So I said, oh, it's coming, because growing up in a family where, where someone is an athlete, <laughs> I, I grew up in a family with a dad as an ultramarathon, and, and I think that's what sucked me in. At the time, I didn't really want to do it, but uh, we're doing it now. So uh, it's always interesting to see that. That first one, how did you, how did you go? In it, from a results perspective, did it go according to plan? Better than better than planned?
0: Yeah, you know, um I mean, obviously, I think you know, goals A through Y of that race were just survive
1: and <laughs> don't die. Um,
0: yeah, don't die was you know every goal on that list except for maybe Z, which was do X time. But you know, it went pretty well. Uh, I think I have some splits here. I swam about two minutes per hundred biked about 31 kilometers an hour and ran about five ten per kilometer. So considering I came into sport two months prior to that, uh, it was pretty good improvement, but um, I think I showed myself that I had a lot of opportunity to improve, but definitely not a bad showing for my first
1: one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, growing up, you mentioned you played some hockey. Uh, I think most Canadian kids played hockey at some stage. Uh, I think Canadian kids yep. are born with ice skates on their feet, if I have to be honest, but uh, you also played <laughs> some volleyball. I mean, were you pretty, pretty good? I mean, did you have ability in those sports?
0: Yeah, like I, I played competitive sports in both hockey and volleyball, hockey at my community level. I uh, represent my community on the travel team and with volleyball, I played for my high school and went to provincial championships. So I've definitely always been athletically involved and I think that was actually one of the real driving factors for me to get into triathlon is that, you know, when I got to university, I, I didn't have that competitiveness that I had, you know, basically every year growing up, I play these sports, you know, when you get to university without that athletic involvement at kind of a varsity level. You know it's tough to you know i think sport was just such a huge part of my life i didn't realize that i really wanted to get back into it
1: as far as the the knowing that you had some ability in, in triathlon and 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 you could possibly qualify for for a kona when did you realize you were you were actually pretty good at this
0: yeah so uh it was a bit bit of a journey and I, you know continue basically a series of sort of continually surprising myself so you know after it was kind of a series of fortunate events for me. Uh, after the K Town Triathlon, uh, I was fortunate enough to find out that my university actually has a varsity triathlon program, uh, which is very unique. One of the only schools in Canada to have one. So what was great about that was I was able to train up and kind of squeak onto the team as kind of our last kind of alternate roster member. And that was just a great opportunity to continue involvement throughout the winter. So heading into 2015, I uh, actually in the spring I ran a half marathon kind of on a whim with one of the local running clubs and with that I really surprised myself I think you know going into the race I was looking at maybe running like a one 140 say 145 you know based on my previous results and I ended up running a 126 uh, half marathon which is quite speedy and uh, really kind of surprised myself and it was uh, a <laughs> yeah it was a bit of a shocker so you know like any person new to the sport who gets a good result, they just want to continue that going. So I kind of, you know, the logical mindset at that point in my career was, okay, let's do the full marathon. And, you know, going into the full marathon, you know, a bit ignorant and, uh, you know, not quite fully appreciating the severity and how intense it was. But nonetheless, you know, I really prepared hard and showed a lot of improvement and actually attempted the full marathon uh, that May. And at the marathon, you know, I, I went well, like I prepared well. And unfortunately, you know, I hit the wall pretty hard at about 30 kilometers and I was really suffering out there and actually about 200 meters from the finish line, I just collapsed. I was just running along and all of a sudden everything went black and I just kind of fell on the side of the road there. And I was on the road for about an hour, kind of going in and out of consciousness while the paramedics were treating me. You know, when I was awake, I was just puking from pain. My legs were all seized up and I had no blood flow to like any of my extremities. Uh, it was pretty scary. Got sent over to the ER. I uh, was in the ER for a couple hours and then she got released. And, you know, at that point, it was pretty scary. You know, up until now, my tri- my limited triathlon career had been pretty good. Everything's been going positive. It's been trending upwards. And here's a moment where kind of, you know, I had to pay the price uh, and had failure. And you know, coming out of that, that's real been a real defining moment for both my triathlon career and my personal life. You know, coming out of that, I had kind of two decisions, right? You can either look back on that and say I failed, sucks, woe is me, you know, just pity yourself, or you can look at it as a learning experience and what can you draw from that experience to help you going forward. So you know, I had a lot of pressure to kind of give up the sport and that it wasn't cu- I wasn't cut out for it. You know, obviously I had this one experience I was prone to something, you know maybe it's just time to hang it up and move on to something else. But that wasn't really my mentality just as much as I didn't really heed my dad's advice when he told me not to pursue that initial trial fund. So, you know, I really kind of had some renewed motivation and had a kind of a chip on my shoulder and a personal vendetta to uh, resolve. So heading into that summer, I raced my first half Ironman up in Muskoka and that was a really fun experience. Um, I finished that race five Oh three. So still, you know, a pretty good, pretty solid result. Uh, still a bit far from kind of that elite uh, mark, but you know, we're showing signs of improvement and we're slowly getting better. And then uh, I also returned to Kingston, Kingston Triathlon, where I raced my first Triathlon and be- bettered my mark by 30 minutes. So uh, we were starting to kind of turn that page. And then in the fall, I, uh, I decided to run the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon up here in uh, Toronto, Ontario. And actually ran a 255 after a huge training block and a lot of motivation so I think that was a big moment for me and actually I think other people took notes so following that race um, my buddy who I trained with all summer and he's a member of the Queen's team with me called me up he had previously been to Kona and he'd been kind of a role model for me and uh, helping me with this training and navigating kind of endurance athletics you know he called me up and said hey like you know me and my buddy like we're gonna go for Kona this year do you want to we want you to join us and join our program and you know, we want to, all three of us get to Kona and I kind of was bewildered, you know, I was after racing a five Oh three in Muskoka, you know, that was a great time, but you know, that's not going to cut it for Kona. You know, you double that distance. I'm going to have to shave time off that on, you know, both ends of that half. Like that's a tall order. And I didn't think personally, I was cut out for it to get there that summer, but you know, he was a firm believer in me and luckily had a couple of things, my personal life uh, work out, and that I was able to line up a job out where, uh, where brian and jason lived and you know using that we i've got out there and got a nice uh, swift kick in the pants when i started training with them <laughs> and training with a elite group of athletes and you know that huge training block and being surrounded by all those strong athletes out there really uh you know made that kona dream that much closer
1: yeah i mean that's it's an incredible journey and and the decision then to do that that first full distance iron man i i mean that is always uh it, it takes a lot I, I mean it's it takes courage to sign up i mean you mentioned your dad to who was who was there and, and was going to do it and decided not to for you mentally was yeah. it was it a big decision to make
0: i think definitely uh you no know, as much as stubborn as I can be sometimes with my racing decision i'm also like to think I'm a pretty rational person and I definitely knew that uh perhaps this wasn't the smartest idea of racing Ironman man <laughs> at 21. Uh, you know, it's a young age, not many athletes in it. If you look at the progression of some of the top, you know, Ironman athletes, they start short course, and go long. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to not do it. Uh, but ultimately I think for me, uh, being a student here at university, although this is a really challenging time to do, you know, Ironman racing in that, you know, I don't have a ton of money to my name. Um, you know, I'm young, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. It's tough on the body and takes time away from other stuff, my studies, at the same time, it's also a fantastic opportunity to do this kind of racing because, uh, frankly put, you know, I don't really have any uh, dependents. You know, I don't have a family, I don't have, you know, a mortgage to pay and all that. I can afford to take time off and do stuff, and you know, get home from work and go training, do a training ride for three, four hours, and I have no one, you know, complaining that, you know, I'm not spending time with the kids or anything like that. So as much as it's a tough time in my life to do it. is also a great time and you know frankly put you know i'm graduating school this year and heading out into the workforce and into my career you know i didn't want to take the risk that i was going to enter career kind of get on with life and i wasn't going to have the time or energy to be able to do it i think doing ironman and doing an ironman competitively was always on my bucket list ever since i watched those races growing up and although this time in my life may not be ideal for pursuing ironman athletics I think it's, uh, it could be one of my best opportunities, uh, with all the uncertainty going forwards.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of people will say, ah, oh, you know, you're so lucky you don't have those dependents, but you, you're studying. And, and, and in saying that, it's not that you're doing a, a little half sort of degree. You, you've got a pretty tough study schedule. Like you say, you, you're graduating this year. Tell us a little bit about what you're studying. It's, it takes some work to do that, doesn't it?
0: No, definitely. Uh, Yeah, so I'm studying uh, mathematics and engineering here at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Um, It's a bit of an interesting program in that it's actually unique to my school. Uh, The best way I could describe it would be a combination of mechanical engineering and kind of applied mathematics. So while I don't graduate with two degrees, it is very much, uh, I'm very much qualified to be an applied mathematician or a mechanical engineer upon graduation. So when you throw kind of two course loads, two intense course loads of material into four years, it ends up translating to about six or seven, or eight in some, t- some cases, you know, technical courses per semester. So yeah, I think uh, you know, if there's one takeaway, I don't really like to take the easy way uh, in whatever I do. And uh, although it's been a challenging program, it's also been incredibly rewarding. And it actually really benefited my triathlon career in that you know, I have that ability to have an analytical approach to my passions and the triathlon and at the same time I'm also able to handle adversity well. You know, when you're balancing these tough seven or eight courses, you're gonna deal with adversity. You're gonna deal with times that are difficult and where you have to step up to the plate and kind of push through. And that very much translates to racing and training.
1: Benjamin what's the what's the long term goal? Not not just from a from a, a triathlon perspective, but a, a work and, and family life. What what do you over the next couple of years want to still achieve in, in the sport?
0: Yeah, so I think end of the day, you know, I really got into triathlon, and you know, it's a learning experience and to have fun. So I think regardless of what I end up pursuing in triathlon and in my career and personal life, I just want to make sure I can continually look in the mirror at night and say I had fun today. Um, whether that involves pursuing triathlon, you know, more seriously, whether that pers- involves pursuing a career more seriously or personal life, I just want to be able to look in the mirror and just enjoy what I'm doing. And I think anytime you deviate from that, it's not sustainable. So. I can't really honestly pinpoint for you what my future's gonna look like, but I can guarantee that hopefully, if everything goes well, I'll be able to look in the mirror and be happy and be proud and of what I've done.
1: Mm, absolutely. You, you mentioned doing a full distance Ironman at, at, at the age that you did, uh, early 20s. A lot of people will say that is too young and you shouldn't be racing the the long stuff then. Do you have any regrets that you, you maybe didn't wait, that it's, uh, I, I mean, you. It's difficult to say, but uh, I mean, do you think you should have raced the the shorter, faster ones for a bit longer before doing the the longer, slower ones?
0: Uh, You know, that's a tough question. Uh, I definitely appreciate people's, you know, criticisms and critique of racing long course at a a young age. And I definitely wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Uh, You know, in my case, I think it's tough to say whether it's been a positive or negative. You know, I think there's merits to be made for both those cases, you know, on the positive side it's great to be able to have that under your belt at 21 and just have that self-confidence to know that you can really tackle anything without, you know, stealing an Ironman mantra, you know, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And that's really valuable. Even if I decide to translate to shorter courses, just knowing that, you know, you've been there, done that, you've pounded away in those long races. And, you know, I can take that to my racing and my personal life. You know, I think it's been really valuable for school and as I pursue career opportunities uh you know what a valuable asset and i think very few people at my age have been fortunate enough to have an experience like like ironman has done for me Mm. to really build those skills you know on the other hand of course you know it's a lot of high volume training you know a lot of risk for injury i've been really fortunate enough to have mitigated many injuries and not have to deal with any serious injury or illness yet but it's definitely always a risk you take when you know you're young and pursuing these opportunities um so it's definitely a It's definitely a unique case. I think there's positives and negatives to be drawn, and I definitely wouldn't go out on record and say every 21-year-old should go race Ironman. In fact, I encourage a lot of my friends who have interest in pursuing marathons and full Ironmans to really think critically about it before they really take it too seriously, because there is an immense amount of sacrifice required, and it does take a toll, and it takes a toll on your personal life. It takes a toll on your career, and it's all about based on your values how you evaluate that and how you decide you want to pursue opportunities so I think it's definitely a case-by-case basis and while I completely understand criticisms and critiques from people who maybe disagree with my decision to race long course at a young age uh, I definitely have no regrets and I really have enjoyed my experience in long course racing and I think it's provided you know immense value to my triathlon career and my personal life
1: Let's talk about Kona. And you—you you said growing up watching sure. watching your dad racing, and you—you you had been exposed to to watching it on on TV. How surreal was it once you'd qualified and you you land on the big island and you there at the big show and all the racing snakes around it? It must be pretty special.
0: Oh yeah, it was uh, it was truly incredible. I mean, uh, I was in a unique position where uh, I qualified at Armand Montrambaud, and Armand Montrambaud is actually one of the final qualifiers for Kona it's only about six weeks out from Kona. So in some ways, this was a blessing. In some ways, this was a curse. Um, in a lot of ways, I was able, you know, I didn't have time to overthink it. I just kind of, you know, I finished Tron get home, get back to school. All right. Three weeks later, I'm packing my bag again and heading out to Kona. Uh, On the other hand, it makes, you know, I'm sure anyone can appreciate racing Ironman two weeks apart or six weeks apart. Sorry, is a difficult endeavor. Well, it's nice to be able to kind of carry over that fitness. It also represents, you know, a tough challenge. It's definitely took a toll on the body and the mind. Um, but yeah, it was truly really a surreal experience. I mean, you know, having grown up, watched all his videos. I think the summer, you know, I was watching clips every summer from it as I kind of looked forward to and visualizing the race. So, you know, it was like, yeah, I can't even really describe it, you know, swimming at the pier, you know, just running along the lead drive. Like it's just such a incredible experience.
1: You mentioned that after your first triathlon, the the bug had truly bit, and you were you were almost addicted to the sport. Having experienced Kona now, do you have the same feeling about the uh, the Big Island? Does does it make you want to go back?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, once you're there, it's just such a cool place, and it's just such a special place. And I mean, like it's it's really like nothing else. Um, you know, I definitely want to go back. In fact, I'd really like to go back even if I wasn't racing just to experience it all. And I was kind of jealous, you know, my parents came down with me, which is great. You know, I don't get to spend a lot of time with my parents as I live, go to school on the opposite side of the country. But so we had a week down there and it was just so cool to be able to drink it all in and experience the whole week. And I almost kind of wish I could go back and experience that without kind of the added stressor of having a race on the Saturday and just kind of enjoy the whole week to the full extent. But I, you know, I think anybody who has the opportunity to go should definitely take it. It is, it is truly an incredible race, and I definitely have the bug to go back. Uh, hopefully, maybe in a couple of years, once I've kind of developed a bit more. Like, I'm not – I don't have the inkling to go back maybe this year, but definitely in the future, I most definitely want to go back. I
1: mean, you haven't been involved in the sport for that long, but uh, if you had to go back and start over, would you, would you change anything? Would you do anything differently?
0: Uh, you know, it's – I've got I've gotten that question a few times now, and it's it's always a funny answer because part of the reason I was able to ascend so rapidly in a sport is partly because of ignorance. You know, I just didn't really know better, and I made decisions and uh, and stuff by choosing races and training plans that probably wouldn't be that advisable. You know, bumping up the long course so early, two years into triathlon, like you know all these decisions I would definitely not make to a uh, beginner now, but. At the same time, you know, it kind of paid off for me and I would not be where I am today without having a bit of that ignorance and having a bit of blindness to that. So I think it's a tough question, you know, if I went back today, I would probably, with my knowledge now, I wouldn't have made those decisions I've made and I probably wouldn't be at this, I wouldn't have gone to Kona, you know, I wouldn't have been where I am today. So it's kind of that Cash 22 where... You know, ignorance is less sometimes.
1: It's funny you say that because I, I almost feel the same as well. I also jumped in and, and, and probably didn't overthink things in <laughs> – I, I, and also, you don't want to say to someone, this is what you should do, that's what you shouldn't do. But I often find right. that people overthink this thing that you, you just want to jump in, just do it. Like, I mean, don't sit at home and go, what if, and, and what if that, and what if this. Just do it. I mean, the only way you're going to know is if you do it. And if you fail, so what? But I'd, I'd rather, for me personally, I'd rather fail trying than wonder what if. I, I don't know if you feel exactly the same way.
0: No, exactly. And I think, especially with uh, long course triathlon, on, you know, while you do have to respect the distance and put the time in and put the forethought in to, you know, conquer the distance, at the end of the day, you know, you can sit on your computer all you want and look up training plans and build training plans. But at the end of the day, you've got to go out there and execute the training plan and execute the, you know, the practice and go out there and train. You know, I was self, self-coached. I didn't have a coach until very recently after Kona. And, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I made a lot of mistakes in training, uh, you know, countless You know if i go back and analyze all the things i did but i wouldn't have learned those mistakes without getting where i am today and making those mistakes and building from there so i think while you care and uh diligence should be definitely appreciated in training and you know obviously we don't want to get injured we don't want to make too many major mistakes i think a lot of people tend to kind of get crippled and uh, paralyzed in this fear and get caught up in all these details But oftentimes, you just got to go out there and, you know, just do it. Just get your long runs done. Get your long rides done. Get your tempo stuff in. You know, just get her done and kind of let that do the talking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the terms – paralysis by analysis is probably the 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 best way to describe it and and i find it interesting because of of what you what you're studying i mean engineering and and applied math it's very analytical i i would i would think you would have been more analytical with jumping into it but it hasn't been that way but you did you did get quite analytical with regards to your training uh what what were some of the things you you did from a training perspective that that you think have have benefited you and and researched and 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 that sort of thing
0: yeah so i think You know, I think where my education really intersects my triathlon is that, you know, in math, if anyone listening is familiar with math, you know, we don't look for solutions necessarily. We look for reasons why solutions don't work. Um, You know, we're experts, you know, when we prove a theorem, we're looking for when it fails, not so much when it works. So I think that's where it's really benefited me is when I make decisions and when I go to these races and build training plans and start to analyze my work. You know, I look for my potential weaknesses and defaults, and I think that's where I've really found benefit. I think making those mistakes is okay, especially you know if at the time you you know, had all the information and you made the best course of action at that time. You know, if I look back at Ottawa Marathon when I had that collapse and that um, health scare, you know in hindsight i don't I have no regrets about that race you know given my knowledge at the time and the research I'd done, I'd made all the right decisions based on my reference at that point. You know, obviously it didn't pan out and I learned from that, but going forward, um, you know, I would know better, but at the time, you know, you can't get caught up in, you know, current knowledge dictating previous knowledge, you know, hindsight is twenty-twenty. So I think it's important to apply that to my training regime today. You know, I have a nice library of past mistakes that I can build off of and understand what works and what doesn't, but I don't get, you know, and I, of course, I take all precautions and all advantages of the information out there to help kind of build my goal and build my plan going forward. But at the same time, as you mentioned before, you know, paralysis by analysis, you don't want to get too caught up in it, you know, learn from others' mistakes, learn from your own mistakes, but you know, don't be afraid to go out there and venture. So when I think, you know, when it came to my training plan, you know, being a self coach athlete was definitely a unique experience. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to see, achieve a lot of success through it. And I think when it came down to it, it was consistency. You know, I think a lot of athletes, you know, if, if you take a critical analysis of yourself, Many of us aren't consistent. You know, even when I thought I was consistent, if you look at the logs, you know, there's many days, many weeks where, you know, maybe your cycling mileage fluctuates a lot or you miss these key workouts. I think it's really important is consistency is key. And also just, you know, getting those race-specific workouts in. I'm a big believer in the mental training. And actually, that's why, you know, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned, uh, you know, cold weather isn't always a bad thing because sometimes when I'm out running here in a Canadian winter when it's minus 35, blowing snow in your face and everything hurts, you know, if you can bank those memories and bank those feelings, even though, you know, you're not going to be racing in minus my 35, you know, if I can go out there and plug away 10 kilometers in the freezing ice and snow, when I get to that last 10 kilometers of an Ironman, I just think back to those sessions when I was, you know, freezing <laughs> literally um and i say hey if i could do 10k then i can do 10k now so i think it's really important to have those mental aspects i think that's what sort of differentiates my training from maybe some others
1: you also mentioned something uh a while ago just almost a a bit of a throwaway comment but the visualization that that plays a big part in in what you do tell us a little bit about your your thinking behind visualizing where you're going to be and what you're doing
0: yeah definitely i think it plays a critical role in you know almost everything i do you know when you're Going through your training, uh, whether you have a coach or you're self-coached, you know, every workout has a purpose. That purpose might be a very race-specific workout where it's very, uh, you know, characterized and it's very explicit. Or it could just be as simple as a recovery run. But I think it's important to treat everyone with the same appreciation and understand where it kind of fits in the bigger picture. You know, so visualization, you know, plays a huge role in my training. And it's really important, you know, especially with long course. I uh, like the joke. It's really 90% mental. You know when you're out there you know you once you're physically prepared you know you really just got to get your mind into the fact that you can do this and you can accomplish this so having a visualization and training you know be it with racing simulations or even on an easy run you know thinking about how to recover and keeping that good form and building those good proper techniques is incredibly invaluable and I think all athletes have benefit by incorporating more of it into their workouts.
1: Mm, absolutely. I mean, I remember, th- I, I still do it now. But my first couple, it was. I mean, that's what got me through. Particularly when you when you're not aware of of where you're going. Uh, I think the visualization is is such an important part, and, and knowing that you're going to go through some some tough patches and uh, sort of thinking your way out of that is uh, is, is just such a great strategy as well. Benjamin, your, your schedule for, for, the, for 2017, what's the, the plan from a racing perspective over the next, uh, the next year?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a unique point in my life and uh, I'm graduating school, I'll be starting work full time in September, so it's a bit, a, bit in limbo right now. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to have this, this summer off, so I'm hoping to do a little bit of traveling, but also a lot of uh, serious racing and training. So it's a little bit up in limbo. What I can say is that I'll probably be focusing more on short course kind of after my really strong performances uh in long course racing I realized that you know I'm might there is possibility that I have a future in this sport from uh, maybe a higher level so I really want to kind of drop down to some short course stuff and you know put the time in on the short course race and really hone in my skills and kind of just build more familiarity with racing you know I think Kona was only my sixth or seventh triathlon of all time you know oh. I'm still very new my transitions suck you know I have a lot to be improved just by racing more and racing good caliber athletes out here in ontario so hoping to drop down to some short course stuff try and develop that top end speed and hopefully transition back into long course in a couple of years with that kind of a renewed motivation
1: well sounds brilliant benjamin thank you so much for joining us on uh, this edition of the cone edge i look forward to getting you back on to talk a little bit about uh, the individual disciplines but we'll save that for another day thanks for your time today
0: yeah thanks for having me we hope you enjoyed this episode of the cone edge Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Hitch.